We're continuing on in our series, The Liturgy of the Ordinary, where we look at daily practices, daily routine occurrences, and how they can point us to Jesus. I was brushing my teeth this weekend, and I was reminded that brushing our teeth reminds us that, that Jesus was God in the flesh, and that he had a body, and that he, he sweat, and that he walked, and he was crucified, uh, God becoming human flesh, and how that gives value to our, our humanness, the, the physical physicality of our bodies. Brush my teeth going, yeah, Jesus had teeth too. It's a good reminder. That's the point of this series, to attach spiritual reminders in Jesus' focuses throughout our day. <clears throat> I'm, I'm holding this. If you didn't get a communion cup, make sure you grab one. They're, they're available in the lobby. If you're worshiping with us online, grab some bread and some juice to have on standby. We're going to be gathering around the table, remembering Jesus through the Lord's Supper uh, in just a few moments. Our message this morning is going to lead into our time around the table, so if you didn't grab one of those, make sure you have one of these handy. But the everyday occurrence we're going to talk about today is fighting, getting into a fight with somebody that you love. Now, this is not hopefully a daily thing. This is not like brushing your teeth, but it's something that we run into. Ah, it's frustrating, and we try to avoid, but the question we'll ask, is there a way to redeem these conflicts? Is there a way to see Jesus through them, not fall into the same traps over and over again, but say, ah, the way of Jesus is the way of peace and the way of reconciliation? Spoiler alert, the answer is yes, and that's where we're going to go together this morning. But I want to begin with something I found online called uh, Silly Fights That Every Couple Has At Least once. This was done by uh, Good Housekeeping. Are you familiar with the Good Housekeeping magazine? Well, their website came up with some different examples of these. Uh, one thing that couples often fight over is uh, how you squeeze the toothpaste. You ever had a roommate or somebody that now you're sharing a bathroom with and they're like, you're squeezing the toothpaste wrong. You got to squeeze it from the end and not the middle. Uh, you don't have to out yourself, but does anybody put a clothespin on the end of the toothpaste tube just to keep it all moving? in the right direction. That's a very important thing for some people. Uh, my, not me, but uh, somebody I know is uh, really particular about how you squeeze the toothpaste. This could be a, a source of conflict. It's not an important thing, but it's something that we kind of get on each other about. Next one, you might recognize this one, is fighting over the thermostat, how much energy we use. I mean, we can keep the thermostat down and just put on a blanket, but I'm freezing. My toes are cold. I paid for this heat. I'm going to keep it at 70. No, that's a uh, pretty common source of conflict among people that share spaces together. Next one, checking your phone at dinner. Inevitably, there's somebody who does this more than the next person. This could be, you might notice this if you're at a restaurant with somebody. If you're around the dinner table, someone just keeps checking in over here and you go, hey, be here. This is where the conversation is. Don't, don't worry about those people. They can wait. But this, is, this could be a source of conflict and strife in a relationship. I think there's a couple more. I can't remember how many of these I put up there. What do we got next, Malls? Netflix cheating. Anybody familiar with this? You're watching a show together with someone and you agree, I'm not going to watch any episodes without you. But maybe there was a cliffhanger and then maybe uh, Lisa had an event, so you're, you didn't have anything to watch. And now you're like, I really wanted to find out what happened. And she comes home and says, did you watch an episode without me? Yes, but only two. And I'll tell you what happened. It's really, I'll rewatch them with you. That can get you into some hot water in a relationship. Uh, wiping up a spill with uh, rags. 
versus paper towels. Anybody ever hear, you're using too many paper towels. There's only so many trees on the, maybe it's just me. Maybe this is my therapy session uh, this morning. This maybe is not ringing a bell for too many people, but uh, wipe it up with a rag. Yeah, but what if it's oatmeal? Now we have to launder the rag. Anyway, okay, I won't get into it too more. One more, uh, leaving your clutter, especially your socks, all over the house. Has anybody been uh, cited, uh, given maybe a, a yellow card for doing this? Like, there's a hamper. Put your clothes in the hamper. Yeah, but I might wear it again tomorrow. I left it on the floor. Yeah, but you left it in the walkway. If you're going to do it, at least do this. Anyway, if this isn't you, maybe for some of our young people, this is coming. If this isn't you, then great job. But you may have your own versions of different things that you can get into a fight about. And these ones that we, these examples that we gave, yeah, where to spend the holidays, all right, that, we're done with that, malls. This could be uh, something, you might have your own that we didn't mention. And you have to learn how to live in a community with someone, how to share a space and how to reconcile and realize, hey, I have a difference of an opinion of what this is going to be and how we're going to live our lives. These examples that we gave, they might touch a nerve, but they're kind of just silly examples. But we should also acknowledge that there's, there's real stuff too. Real things that it's not squeezing the toothpaste. Things like, you embarrassed me in front of our friends. And I was really hurt by what you said. Oh, okay, well that's why we haven't been talking. Maybe that's why you've seemed distant. Offenses that we, we make. Somebody's in the wrong, somebody doesn't even know they did something wrong, and then it's, uh, we're having this tension, we're having these fights. I wonder if they had this in the, the third century church, and that's why somebody said, does anybody have fought with his fellow? Well, well, yeah, maybe we need to talk about this before we go to worship together. These fights, like I said, are opportunities for Christians to remind ourselves that we're reconcilers. That even if we were hurt by something, uh, it's important to the body of Christ to say, I don't want to be mad at you. I don't want things to be tense. I want us to move forward in peace and in joy, and I want there to be truth and honesty known. Just as Christ made peace and reconciled us to God. And like I said, Jesus teaches about this in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read again what we heard Joyce read earlier. Jesus is teaching, and he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who's angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which is an Aramaic phrase that means empty-headed, dum-dum, Raka, whoever says that is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you were offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, interesting, it's receiving the thing, oh, I did wrong somebody, somebody has something against me. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. I wonder if Jesus was being literal when he says this. Do you really expect us, Jesus, like we got all dressed up, we came to church, we're here to sing the songs that the praise team practiced. You really want us to forsake that, to leave that behind and go and talk about the toothpaste tube 
and talk about the socks that were left in the walkway? It's a question we ask when we come to this and several other of Jesus' teachings. Did he mean it, or is he just trying to make some greater point? The way that Jesus moves in this teaching is kind of from the broad to the specific. I don't know if you noticed this, but he says, everybody knows you don't murder, right? And even today, we would go like, yeah. And if I stood up here and said, did anybody murder someone this last week? Everybody would go like, no, we don't need to take three minutes to apologize for that. Like, we didn't murder. We're not murderers. And Jesus is right. That's good. We all know that. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Did anybody hate somebody in your heart? Did anybody take away someone's dignity by calling them a fool? Saying that they're not smart as they're trying to be? Did you, did you slight somebody? Did you slander somebody? Did you, it's narrower, did you hate someone in your heart? Forget whether or not you stayed in a relationship with someone. Did you continue to avoid them? Did you have no contact with them because you've written them off as somebody that you hate? And it gets even more narrow. Don't murder, sure, but don't call names. Don't hate someone in your heart. You do? You find that you've wronged someone I think you could add if they have wronged you. If you're, if you're unreconciled with somebody, here's what you got to do. He gives them homework. Literally, go home. Resolve it with the person that you love, that you're called to be a brother and sister in Christ with. Work it out, and then come and bring your sacrifice to the altar. Now think about this. Jesus is teaching this in Galilee but he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem. When you go, when you make an annual pilgrimage and you bring your sacrifice to the altar and you have something, you realize you're in a broken relationship with somebody, leave it. Don't go. And this would be shocking for people because they would have saved money to do this. They would have traveled a great distance to do this. They would have purchased a sacrifice in the, the temple courts and they would have been like, this is the whole reason we're here. And Jesus says, forget the reason. Forget the expense. Forget the planning. Forget it. This is more important. Get your heart right. Get your relationship right. And then go to the temple. Maybe for us today, it would be like if you made a family trip to Disneyland and you saved money for it and you were looking forward to it and you did all this research and you got the fast passes and you have the whole plan worked out. And then you get to the front gate and you realize you haven't apologized something that you did for losing your temper or for, for whatever. It would be like saying, you know what? We're not going to go in until we work this out. Some people would say, that's foolish. Work it out later. What about all this money? Disneyland is only open a certain number of hours. We got to make this thing happen. We hear Jesus saying, well, this is more important. And maybe there's some practical wisdom in that too. Have you ever been to Disneyland or some event Maybe even a Sunday morning worship and you're not reconciled to the person you're closest with. It's a terrible experience. Disneyland is not fun if you're fighting with your family. I think it happens every day. There's angry spouses, frustrated siblings, kids that are crying and screaming and going, I'd rather be home. Reconcile the relationship first. Sometimes, as Christians, we hear this teaching of Jesus and we say, yeah, we've got to be reconcilers. We've got to spread the message of the gospel. We've got to let people know that God loves them and cares for them. So we're, let's, do, let's do missionary work. Let's go across seas, over, over the seas, and like, tell people about Jesus. And we're looking around. 
for good works to do in the name of Jesus. But maybe the most important work that we do is not over there. Maybe it's right here. Maybe it's in the car, in the person that you're closest to. The people that we take for granted and maybe are the cruelest to. The people in our lives we're most likely to be unfiltered with and say, Raka, you fool. Stop. I don't think Jesus is just teaching for the sake of teaching and giving us principles that float around in the air. I think he wants our lives to change and impact our daily experiences. I had a, an idea when I was doing youth ministry more regularly. I never did it, but I still might. Uh, it's a great idea, and I want to share it with you guys. It's a bit of a trick, and that's why I like it. I like pulling the rug out from under people um, for whatever reason. But here's, here's the idea. I was going to bill... Uh, advertise a youth event. I was going to say, all right, we're going to do a service project, but we're not going to, you know, we're not going to travel into the city. We're not going to go overseas or anything like that. It's a local service project. We're going to do, you know, we're going to do yard work for some seniors, and we're going to clean up a school. We're like, we're going to do all this great service work. So block out your Saturday, maybe even like pay 15 bucks for lunch. And like, we're all going to, we're all going to do this. So meet at the church building in the morning. We're going to go do service work. And the students will be excited because they love getting together with their peers and they're, they're all gung-ho for work and they got their, their work gloves on and they're ready to go. <laughs> oh, I love it. And this is what I would do. I'd say, all right, your service project is to go back home and be a servant to your parents all day. Do whatever they say. Clean their yard. Clean your room. Scrub down the kitchen. Uh, paint, paint whatever they want you to paint. You committed eight hours to serving in the name of Jesus. Surprise, you're doing it in your own backyard, literally. Is that a good idea? I, I think it's brilliant. I'm kind of sad that I never did that. Brittany, maybe we'll do that. Teens, don't tell the rest <laughs> about the surprise. How would the teens react? Would they be as excited? <laughs> We're not doing this in groups. We're not goofing around. We're not, this isn't a social event. This is actual serving. <laughs> this is like my unmade bed that I left the house this morning. I'm going right back to it and going, okay, okay. Maybe we all need that experience. Because when we think of our faith, sometimes we think of, all right, how am I going to do this? What is it going to look like? And we, we look over the, the thing that's right in front of our face. Start locally. Be peacemakers. And it's as simple as, like I said earlier, just saying I'm sorry. Saying, hey, I was wrong. Or just being honest and saying, you, you hurt my feelings. I don't know if you realize this, but I need you to know this. I don't want to be mad at you. A couple of my kids were in a fight. I've been thinking about this for a while. Uh, a week or last week, earlier, I don't know. Two of my little kids were in a fight with each other, just angry about something to me that didn't matter, but they were all fired up about it. And I made them look at each other, and I made them say, just say, I'm not mad. I'm, well, that's not what I said, because they were mad. What did I say? I, I, I forget what it was. Good story, huh? It was like, I want to make peace. I want to make peace. And that was so hard for them to say. One of my kids was like, I want to make peace. And I said, don't say it like that, because it doesn't sound like you mean it. Like, this is important. I want to make peace. That demonstrates it's a concept we can all hear and go like, yeah, we probably need more of that. But it's so hard to do when you're emotional about it, when you're fired up, when you're 
Like, you did something. I want my justice. It's so hard to say, I don't want to be in a fight with you. I don't want to stay angry at you. But that's what we're called as Christians to do. I might have told you this before. Uh, I got a same team slide up here, Molly. I think you can skip to. Uh, go to the go to the previous one. We have family values that we hang on uh, over our fireplace, and there's a picture of when we didn't have as many kids. We got to update that pretty soon. Uh, but these are just some of our things that are important to our family. And you can see the one there that says same team. Now zoom in on that one, Miles. Same team. Um, this is language we use when we're fighting, when emotions run high. This is a reminder we have to give ourselves, hey, why are we angry at each other? Jacob and Lisa, why are we fighting? Like, you're my favorite person in the world. I, I love you more than anybody. Same team. Like, we have the same goals. We're running this family together. We're trying to follow Christ together. We are, like, <laughs> we are not enemies. Sometimes it's just a simple reminder. Same team. Our kids use this language, too. Or we will tell them, too, like, hey, come on. Same team. Work together. Maybe that's helpful for you. It doesn't make everything right instantly, but it's just it's a good reminder. And so in the same way that we said, when you wake up in the morning, be reminded that you're loved by God before you do anything. When you lose your keys, be reminded that you're not perfect, that we have this thing called confession and the response that God said when you say, I'm not perfect, I messed up, I failed, I did something that was not honoring God, God's response is, I forgive you, I love you, you're my child. Like I said, brushing your teeth, all these things that we're attaching meaning to. The next time you find yourself in that situation, in a fight with somebody over something silly, over something that's real, if you find yourself not fighting with someone, this is a sidebar, but it's worth saying, and I've said this before too as well. Some people think if I'm not in a shouting match with somebody in my household, then I'm at peace with them. That's not peace. That's just avoidance. Uh, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Everybody say shalom. Turn to somebody next to you and say shalom. Shalom. Shalom to you as well. It's a greeting. It's also just peace, the peace of God. But the word has some depth. To it, I read somewhere once that shalom isn't the absence of conflict. Shalom means the best possible growing conditions. If you think of a field, if you think of soil that is rich, that is ready for things to be grown in, that is shalom. Shalom is not two family members who won't speak to each other because they've decided it's better if we just like have the most minimal relationship possible. That's conflict. That's passive Conflict, that is not the peace of God, and that's not what we're talking about here. So sometimes it's just a matter of saying, hey, I don't, I don't want to stop ignoring, or I don't want to keep ignoring you or freezing you out. Shalom, the best possible growing conditions. That's what we're aiming for. That's what God calls us to. <clears throat> and this, this message about being reminded that when we fight, that we are called to be peacemakers in one way or another, in small moves or in large moves, it brings us to the table. I'm going to move my way to the communion table now. Because we are called to be reconcilers just as we have been reconciled. In the same way, uh, we are called to be forgivers because we have been forgiven. 
We are called to be peacemakers because we have been granted peace through Jesus Christ. Uh, we, as the reconciled, are called to be reconcilers. In the um, Catholic tradition and other liturgical Christian traditions, they do something called the passing of the peace. Give me a head nod if you're familiar with this. At some point in their worship service, they'll tell everybody, uh, turn to somebody around you, shake hands, and say, peace be with you. And they, they take time, and they do that. Peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. Uh, a lot more popular before COVID. I'm not sure what they did, the, the, the non-contact version, but there's just still like a time where you're supposed to acknowledge the people around you. Now think about this. Think about the angry family members who had a fight that morning, and now it's like, time to go to church. Oh, we got to worship. And they know there's going to be a point in the service where someone's going to say, turn to somebody next to you, take their hand in yours, and say, peace be with you. That takes on some, some real meaning. I wonder if people skip church because they know that they're going to be called to do something that they are not ready to do yet. I asked Lisa permission to tell this story, and she said yes. So here it comes. When we were newly married, Sunday morning, I don't even remember what we were fighting about, but we, was, we, were, we were young and inexperienced in marriage, and we are just like mad at each other. So we get in the car because, you know, it's time to go to church. The church we were attending was like 30 minutes away, so we're driving in silence, just mad at each other, just like, oh, thinking about what we're going to say to win the argument. Um, and then she speaks up, and she starts... Uh, Again, I don't remember the words, but it was, it was angry, and it was like blaming, and, and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and I'm listening to it, <laughs> and I knew that there was a worship CD in the CD player. So she's talking to me and like doing this fight, and I go, oh, yeah, and I hit the, the volume. I turn on the music, and all this worship music just starts coming out, and I crank it up super loud. I should have asked myself permission to tell this story. It doesn't make me look good. I don't recommend doing this. But part of me was like, we're on our way to church. We're supposed to be reconcilers. How are we this angry at each other? I turned on the worship music. and was like, uh-huh. And I listened to her, and all this like praise stuff is going on. She instantly turns it off. It's like, uh-uh. No. I see what you're trying to do. And it was, a, it was a petty. It was a petty, and it was a stupid move. But that's not the only Sunday we started out the day in a fight. And that's not the only Sunday where we had to show up to worship to hear about being reconciled through Christ, have to come around the table and to break bread with each other and say, you've been forgiven in Christ. I've been forgiven in Christ. You know what that means? We probably shouldn't act like we haven't been forgiven in Christ. We probably shouldn't hoard that forgiveness. We probably should extend it to others. And the first other I should extend it to is Lisa, the people that I'm closest with. We're reminded of that when we come to this table. I'm going to read two stories, one from Jesus, and then one is kind of like Paul's take on it. Loosely, you'll recognize these. But as we come to the table today, I want us to just be reminded that we are reconciled reconcilers, and we're called to make peace. And as Jesus taught us, that starts at home. Listen to uh, the teachings of Jesus, the Master. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? 
Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. Man, what a big win. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him only a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant uh, fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went, told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Yikes. And Jesus ends the story by saying, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Sounds pretty serious. Paul takes this teaching and says, all right, let's let this motivate us. Let's not let this guilt us. Let's let this drive us to go out, be the kind of people that Jesus is calling us to be. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Hallelujah. Not counting people's sins against them. And this is what this has to do with us. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's good news. That's our our task. Those are our marching orders. You've been reconciled. Go out make peace. Be reconcilers. Tell people the gift that you've been given in Jesus. And don't hold it back. Extend it to them as well. I'm going to say a prayer of thanks, and then we're going to take the the bread and the juice together as we think about what it means to be reconcilers. Maybe God will put something on on your mind during this time, a particular person maybe that you have wronged and you need to go and reconcile with. Or somebody that there's tension in a relationship and you just need to simply go up and say, I want peace in our relationship. But let's give thanks. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for making us new creations and giving us 
a new way of doing life and doing relationships. We know our sins. We try to forget them. We try to minimize them. We sometimes beat ourselves up about sins from the past, but Lord, we, we want to trust you and we want to believe in you when you say, lay them at my feet. You're clean. When I look at you, I see my son, Jesus Christ, because of the sacrifice he made for us. Lord, thank you so much for that offer. We need it so badly. Lord, I ask this morning that that knowledge of how much we've been forgiven, how much of a debt has been canceled, will give us joy and motivate us to go and forgive others. Those who have wronged us, those that we don't like, those that we haven't been nurturing a relationship with, let us be the reconcilers you call us to be. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, his willingness to go to the cross. We thank you for his death and for his resurrection. We pray this prayer in his holy name. Amen. Let's share the body of Christ together. Drink the cup of the blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Jesus. I began this morning with a call to reconciliation, an invitation to reach out to somebody. If that somebody is me, I'm all ears. Come to me. If I've wronged you, uh, let's be brothers and sisters. Let's be reconciled. If it's somebody else, I encourage you, whether or not you were able to do that in the three-minute start at this service, uh, like I said, a placeholder. For a conversation that needs to happen, but let's let's be active reconcilers. If you don't know what it means to be reconciled in Christ, if you're like, yeah, that's what church people talk about, that's the language that's used. If you don't, if you're carrying sins from the past with you, the, the good news is that you can leave those behind. God doesn't see those. He wants a fresh start. He wants you to be a new creation. He wants you to walk uh, in the steps of Jesus and. Uh, you want to talk more about what that looks like? If you want to say, hey, I need Jesus right now. I want to be reconciled. I want to be a peacemaker. Uh, you can sign on for doing that today. Come and talk to me. I'll be hanging out in the back. Um, but yeah, my hope is that we're inspired today to go out and that there's a, a noticeable effect in our lives, in our homes, in our relationships for being the reconciled reconcilers. That's it for me. Uh, Phil's going to come up here and uh, share some prayer needs uh, uh, what's going on with the people that we're, we're praying for and how our congregation's doing, and then we'll go out, do good works in the name of Jesus. Bill Wise.